This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning, it's Jazz Shapers, me, Elliot Moss, with you, and of course the Shapers of Business, who join the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, the most important part of the programme. My guest today is Karen Emanuel, I'm very pleased to say, founder and CEO of Key Production Group, a music manufacturing and creative packaging agency. That's what it says here anyway, so I believe it. In an overwhelmingly male-dominated sector, lifelong music enthusiast Karen climbed the ladder at Rough Trade Distribution from receptionist to production manager by, as she says, asking the right questions and taking every opportunity to learn the numbers side of the business. In 1990, with a £2,000 redundancy payout, a typewriter and a telephone, she launched Key Production, named after K.E. K-E, her initials, in a damp, dark back office of Jungle Records. Her new company specialised and still does in the production and manufacture of CDs, DVDs and vinyl records, as well as the beautifully artwork packaging for both music and other industries. The music sector was rocked in 2007 when music sales shifted from physical units to digital downloads, but Karen made tough decisions and diversified, and today Key Production Group is made up of six companies employing 54 people and turns over around £14 million a year. Hello. 25 years old, that's all you were. I know. I know. Nice to how have you young, here. How, hello, lovely to be here. <laughs> how? I mean, that's a very young age. Did you feel older, though, at that time in terms of your experience? Because you'd already done a bunch of stuff, hadn't you? Or, or was it just ignorance? <laughs> Blissful, I should I, say. I, I would say probably the latter. Um, I think at 25, I had nothing to lose. I knew that if what I was attempting to do didn't work, then I could go and get another job somewhere. I didn't have a house to lose. I didn't have um, a a car to lose. I I had absolutely nothing. So it was kind of a no-brainer. It was almost like a, a, a game. You know, let's see if I can do this. Not everyone would do that, though. I mean, at 25, I didn't do that. So what was it about you that made you feel confident enough to take that brave step as much as you didn't have anything to lose as you said was there something in the family was there a kind of people encouraging you going go for it Karen what's the difference why not I think my parents brought me up to be very determined Um, I was an only child and they were both very very shy and I think they wanted me not to be they wanted me to be everything that they weren't and so they they definitely sort of gave me a push and told me to sort of reach for the stars always ask questions, don't worry if you fail, all these kind of like really important things that are really important as I've realized as time's gone on in business. And they taught me that from an early age. So I think that was kind of instilled in me. So I just thought, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if I fail, I'm going to give it a go. Um, and yes, certainly they were behind me um, all the time. I think they thought I was a, kind of a little crazy um, and wondered when I was going to get a proper job, which I never did. But yeah, definitely down to them. Um, my dad, I mean, he, he was independent. He owned his own shops, but I don't think he was particularly entrepreneurial or particularly pushed me down that route. It was just the more do-it-for-yourself um, type upbringing that I got. Mm. But you obviously liked doing stuff and creating stuff. You were entertainment secretary at um, same university as me, University of Leeds, which meant Billy Bragg was through the doors. I think New Model Army was through the doors. Creating an event 
is a fun thing, but it takes a hell of a lot of logistics. I mean, that's a big production number, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I think, again, you, you kind of like look back in your life when you get a bit older and see what influenced you. And I know when I was younger, I really liked maths. I liked sort of solving problems. And I and you, know, you get a real sense of satisfaction when you know you're right and you've been able to solve a problem. And I think booking bands, um, doing events w- was was kind of a bit like that, as is my job now, is you're, you're looking at a big problem and breaking it all down and then trying to solve it and getting to the end of it and then being successful, which makes you feel really good. Um, yeah, and I was driven by a real passion for music as well and a, and a passion to do well that the events thing that I did at university had never been run by a woman before and no one had ever made money out of it before for the university now whether that was because people weren't quite as honest as I was (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. um but yeah so again it was a real sense of achievement and I, I suppose that really sort of stoked something in me um we've been talking about what got you to the point where the 25 year old said you know what I'm just gonna go and do it when you'd got over the I've just gone and done it at what point did you start to feel that you were making a success of it was there a moment or has it always been a bite the skin of my teeth I was going to say about a couple of years ago when I got the uh, (laughs) NatWest Every Woman Award (laughs) after 29 years in business or whatever no seriously I think um, women quite often have imposter syndrome and I think I had that um, all the time. Also, making it in the music industry is it's quite a difficult thing. And I found I wasn't asked to do interviews. I wasn't asked to be on panels. I wasn't asked to do a lot of things. It took me years to realize that actually I have to ask to do them to get that recognition. And so it took me a long time before I felt comfortable that people were recognising me as the expert that I was, if that, if that makes any sense. It makes sense. perfect sense. Of course, that's changed completely now, isn't it? hasn't it? Because everyone wants a woman on their panel, you know, diversity. But it's in a, it, on one level, it it's still can be tokenistic, unfortunately. But on another level, that must be right. And it's certainly shifted. So 20, the 25-year-old you now would hopefully find life easier. It's, it's far more fashionable. And I meet lots of and interview lots of young women who are entrepreneurs. It, it, it isn't weird anymore. Was it, was it a bit weird then, do you think? Oh, it was terribly weird then. I mean, um, one of the offices that, that I was in was an open plan office and I used to sit quite near the door and people would come in through the door and turn to me and ask me if they could see my boss. Um, yeah, I am the boss. <laughs> and yeah, it was terribly sexist then. I, I can't even begin to tell you. Yes, it's changed and it's changing. It's still not changed far enough. And in fact, I'm getting together with a few women that I know um, in the music industry that have kind of got through that glass ceiling to try to form a panel of people that can actually go and help influence kids in schools and show them what is possible. Because there's a lot of drop-off of women in the music industry um, at about 40-odd. So a lot of young women come into it nowadays. There's a lot more diversity at the bottom, if you like, but it falls off as you go up. Along the way, though, and that's a brilliant initiative, and, and I'm sure it will it will work. It's got to work because these, this is required at this time. As you said, it's not fast enough, this change. But along the way, it sounds to me like your identity as a woman has been important because it's unusual in that record industry and indeed in many industries. Had you or have you hired women above men or has it not 
quite panned out like that? I mean, have you actively gone, I'm going to find great women to work with me? She's um, laughing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny on, on so many levels. So when I first started, there was um, my first eight employees were all women. Um, and it was it was a not a joke in the industry, but but it was definitely a big statement. And it wasn't for any reason other than that women came to me and they were really, really good at the jobs. Um, funnily enough, the first guy um, that I employed is still with us and is married to one of the first women that I employed <laughs> and they've been with me for over 25 years. Um, now, I mean, I have conversations about this all the time, about positive discrimination. As a woman myself, I don't think I would want to be employed to do something if I wasn't good enough for the job. So I tend to employ people that are the best person for the job. If, however, I've got two people that are the same, then yes, I would positively discriminate and get a woman in over a man. We tend to have more men going for a lot of jobs. Um, and we're actually addressing that um, within the company at the moment to, to see whether the way that we're writing um, the job specifications or where we're advertising them, where we are, we're not getting enough of a diversity across the board. So we're actually looking to see what we can do better now. Mm. Stay with me for my, much more from my guest there. It's Karen Emanuel, and she will be back in a couple of minutes. But right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dres, Tom Grogan, and Anne Rose talk about the latest trends and developments in the world of blockchain and the key opportunities and threats affecting businesses looking to implement blockchain platforms. The Mishcon Academy digital sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. What would you say to any organisation who's looking to implement blockchain technology today? I think the first piece of advice I'd give hasn't changed over the last sort of four or five years. It's, it's verify that you've got a use case and that blockchain has, has meaningful value proposition for your business or your organisation. The second thing is make smart platform decisions early and design choices that, that have a view and an eye to, to progress and development in this space, uh, ensuring interoperability and longevity. Uh, the developments we've seen over the last 12, 18 months have been extraordinary, and I, I think we, we all expect that to continue. So, so organisations want to be sure that what they're building today maintains relevance and, and efficacy in, in 12, 18 months' time. I'd seek to identify uh, the key stakeholders. I think so often I've lost track of the the number of times I've spoken to clients, public sector and private sector, who have asked the question, could the technology do this? Could the uh, technology do that? (laughs) The answer is almost always yes. The technology can do most things. We tend to find that that the problems aren't tech-based, they're people-based and they're stakeholder-based. I think it's incredibly important that very, very early on, organisations identify who are the key important stakeholders that are going to be involved with their implementation and bring them in and and actually sort of empower them by involving them in the the design thinking process. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
You can enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and hear this very programme again with Karen by popping Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you have a smart speaker, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find many of our recent programmes. Karen's very happy about that. But back to hers. Karen Emanuel, founder and CEO of Key Production Group, a music manufacturing and creative packaging agency. So it has been a journey. You said 20, I think it was 29 years in with the 2018 award, which you mentioned, the NatWest Every Woman Entrepreneur Award, which is fabulous. Not a straight line, right? Oh my good God, no. No. No, very curvy, like me. Very curvy. But how have you adapted and morphed? How have you dealt with all those bumps in the road and the failures or the the more difficult moments? Because you seem, you're here, you're going. We'll talk a little bit about the last few months under... This, this horrendous pandemic and how you've dealt with it. But how have you generally kept your, your calm and your direction? Um, I'm quite pragmatic. Um, and I think I'm quite good at crisis management. Um, and I plan a lot. Um, I always say to people sort of when you're becoming an entrepreneur is to know your numbers. Um, so I've always known my numbers and known what might happen to them if something terrible happens. Um, I'm not going to say it's been easy. There, there was a time um, with the crash of sort of 2007, 2008, I had to make people redundant. And because of the way I started the company and I was so young, the people that, that started with me, we all became really tight and really close friends. So when it came to making the hard decision, which is the hardest thing I've ever done, I had to make my good friends redundant. Um, it was horrible. Um but you have to learn through it. And the outcome, of course, is that the bigger company was able to survive. So more people were able to survive than were made redundant. All those people have gone on to do really good things in their life and are still friends, thankfully. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's about looking ahead, about seeing what could happen and being prepared for it. Obviously, through the acquisition, maybe not obviously, I've made quite a lot of acquisitions along the way. And the acquisitions that I've I've made have not been for me to be bigger than anyone else or take over the world. It's actually added things into the company that we didn't have before to make us better. So, for example, Think Tank Media worked slightly outside the music industry and bespoke packaging. So we brought a whole load of knowledge on board about bespoke packaging, which just happened to be at the time when the music industry was doing a lot more bespoke packaging. So we were able to become experts quite quickly. So we, we were able to move with what the music industry was doing and at the same time work in creative packaging outside the music industry because of the panic around, oh my God, downloading is going to ruin the business, which of course it didn't. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of bumps, lumps, changes. And, and must have been hard uh, being the leader of the business, the owner of the business and being close, but also having to make those those big calls. What would you describe your leadership style as? You seem very straightforward to me. I mean, pretty, you say it as it is. Yeah, I I do. Um, And one of our kind of values is integrity um, in the company. I try to explain the bigger picture. I haven't always been good at that, but have learnt that that's a good thing to do. Try to be very open with the staff, um, let them know what's going on. I try to bring people along with me. I give a lot of autonomy to people. It's no good looking over somebody's shoulder. They're they're not going to work best like that. 
people, it's a, a very familial. I know it's quite a cliche, but people do think that that the company is really, you know, quite tight. There's really good sort of morale and a really good culture there, which obviously has been quite difficult to try to keep together over COVID. And I think that's what sort of helps everyone working really well together and really well as teams is, is yeah, autonomy, integrity, family spirit, that, that sort of thing. You've got lots of, you alluded to a few of them, you've got lots of different parts to this business. You've also got a hotel on an island, which you bought, apparently, my researchers tell me, for the price of a London garage. Yes, Whatever is, a London garage costs. That is correct. Um, how do you keep on top of all the different things or is it pretty straightforward because they're all right in front of you? Um, Nicaragua is not exactly in not, front of me. Apart from Nicaragua, now. obviously. <laughs> with that, or Hikaro. Hikaro, yes. Hikaro, yes. I build very good teams around me. Um, you know, it, it's the teams that are really running the businesses. It's like I'm, I'm leading them, but they're running them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not a big secret, but uh, sometimes it makes me wonder why people don't realise that. Um, you mean, you mean really in terms important. of actually the way to do it is you get great teams. Yes. <laughs> but then you've also, a number of my um, guests on the program from Sir Martin Sorrell to Kelly Hoppen have all said anyone that says they're not involved in the minutiae of the numbers and the detail is probably telling you a fib. And that is the only way to really know what's going on. And you've talked about numbers a couple of times. Yeah, the, the numbers, absolutely. Um, the day-to-day detail, I, I really don't need to know unless there's an issue that can't be solved by someone in in the team, which there, there should be. I mean, I've always said that you know, to, to, if you can't reap some of the benefits of running a successful business, and one of my benefits that I want to reap is travel, um, and be able to step away and let the team manage it for you, then I, I would say you're doing something a little wrong. I do know the numbers and I am on top of the numbers because that's really important because you need to know where to steer the ship if something goes. And, and obviously, I'm always on the, on the lookout for improving, getting better, putting better systems in and things like that. But actual day to day, I, I haven't dealt with. I mean, they oh, my staff wouldn't let me anywhere near <laughs> doing that. It would be a disaster. <laughs> uh, and and the, the other thing that intrigued me as I was reading about you was this focus on sustainability. T- to me, it's second nature. Why wouldn't I care about my environment? And I will try and do things personally and then corporately to address that. Was it the same for you? And if so, where did it come from? Or is it just common sense? It is the same for me, yes. It was common sense from when I was um, actually a student at Leeds and started reading a lot of books, becoming very, very aware of my environment. I actually went vegetarian back then at 19 years old. I'm not now, but I do eat carefully. Um, sustainably. I won't I out you. It's say. okay. It's I've okay. just outed myself. You did. Um but I began to think of things back then. And I think back back then, you were looked at as being a little bit odd, a little bit kooky, a little bit alternative for caring about the environment and going, actually, we should be looking at solar power, wind power, we should be eating less meat, less intensive farming. And so yeah, right back then, I was really aware. And so that's just carried through. And I know it seems a bit counterintuitive because we make products that's made out of plastic. Um but you can do that in a sustainable way. And the product that we make is not meant to be thrown away. It's meant to be kept on your shelves and then passed on. Um, so 
you know, and, and as I say, we're, we're putting quite a lot of pressure actually on a lot of the factories to keep improving all their sustainability practices at the moment. And obviously the hotel is sustainable. I know it's closed at the moment, which is um, a shame. Is that fun? Because that's very different, obviously. It's a bit off. It's, it's like slightly different from running the music business. But have you really enjoyed that in a different way? Uh, yeah, again, sort of passionate about music that that's what keep sort of keeps me going and keeps me driving forward the hotel passionate about travel passionate about sustainability yes it's great I think when you're an entrepreneur when you run businesses there's certain things that are completely transferable to all different sorts of businesses and yeah it's it was really interesting to transfer my skills from one thing to another it's not to say it's been not been difficult juggling two very different things that, that are going through different processes. Nearly lost a huge customer um, at key production when I my attention was more focused on Hikaro. But yeah, I learned a lot of valuable lessons through all of that. Um, but again, I've got a very, very good team and management team at the hotel that look after things and report into me so that I know what's, what's happening there at all times. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Karen Emanuel is my business shaper just for a few minutes more, so we better make good use of them. You talked about the troubles in 2007 with the industry, which sort of materialised, but not quite in the way that maybe we all thought they were going to. Um, we've obviously... We're in the middle of a global pandemic. You've had issues along the way. What would be your advice to a young entrepreneur now who's faced with significant challenges and not of their own making necessarily, but kind of more global? I mean, nothing is more global and more out of our control than this pandemic, at least in its creation. What what would you say to them? What do they need to do to get through it? Um, Focus. What I'm telling everybody actually is, is to very much have a routine in your day exercise, go out and see nature. Um, If you're an entrepreneur, forecast, have a look at what your business is going to look at. Um, A lot of people have been pivoting their businesses and trying to see a different way that they can use their skill within the business. With ourselves, that that wasn't really an option is we we do what we do. Um, But as I say, we've been sort of very much about planning and communication. We've just kept up communication between each other all the time, um, with our clients, of course, and with our suppliers, um, just to keep things going. Um, and, and what I've been saying um, to my staff, which I, th- I think is good advice, is just to try to be better than we were and try to come out of this stronger, try to learn from it. Um, you know, obviously it's hard with everybody working from home, but try to make your working from home as comfortable as you can and try to sort of look at it as if you are in the office. Yeah, it, it's certainly not easy, but I think every anyone with a, with a, a driving passion will keep going. Remember, I, I actually started in a recession and quite often entrepreneurs sort of starting around times of difficulty can do really well. Mm. And But surely you've had wobbles along the way, however strong you are and however many times you've kind of seen adversity, I imagine that, that that's tough. It is. I've got good family and friends around me and I think that really helps. And I shut off. I mean, you never shut off as an entrepreneur, but I do, you know, I will try not to answer emails or do any work things after, say, six o'clock. My weekends are my weekends. 
you know, I do try and get away on holiday. And again, when I'm on holiday, unless it's really urgent, I'm not going to take calls. Um, I'm not going to answer emails. I really try to have um, kind of thinking time and clear my head time. And that really helps with the business. You sound very uh, organized, Karen. You sound like you've got it under control. Whatever, I mean, I imagine, though, if we had this chat in three years' time, your business will have morphed in some way, subtly and maybe unsubtly in others, but you'll, you'll be here telling me the story. Very possibly, yes. I hope so. It's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for doing it in person as well. This is what I'm loving about this, <laughs> this moment. We're, we're venturing out and seeing each other, which is really good. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? My song choice is um, Better Think Twice with the vocal of Harry Bentley. And why this one? I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> My family has got a long history of jazz and Harry Bentley was actually a great uncle of mine. Not only was there him, but another great uncle on the other side of my family is Al Tabor, who is a big band leader and uh, lays claim to um, having written the Hokey Cokey. The song choice of my business shaper today, Karen Emanuel. Someone who loves solving problems. That's what she does and has been doing for many, many years. Someone who said, know the numbers. You can't know your business. You can't know the trajectory of it unless you know those numbers. And also someone who has carved out thinking time, critical to her and her mental health and the health of her businesses. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business but it's personal.